see what I can do with my mouth. Adam Carolla is one of the most successful comedians around. His crass humor was controversial when he hosted Loveline and The Man Show. Now he talks more about what's in the news. If AOC was fat and in her 60s, would anyone listen to another thing she ever said? I don't think so. But he's saying that makes some people very angry. You don't know anything. Carolla says he doesn't care when people get upset. We recently posted a short video with him, but he has much more to say. So here's our full interview. You're a busy guy. You host five podcasts, now a new book. Everything reminds me of something. Advice, answers, but no apologies. Why is that important? Well, I realize that apologizing just leads to more apologizing. It used to lead to an end. So, you know, back in the day, you remember, let's say the year 2000, if somebody got slapped on the wrist and got caught with their hand in the cookie jar, then they would just go out and issue an apology and then their life would return to normal. That no longer works. You apologize and then they fire you. <laughs> That's how it works. So. Everyone who apologizes now is a fool because you're going to get fired or canceled anyway. You will then also have a target, which is you will fall into the group of people who apologize. See, the people who want you to apologize, they don't really want you to apologize because they're offended at whatever it is you said. They just want dominion over you. So they don't really care what you said. Think about how many white people are outraged over something somebody said about the Latin community or the Asian community or the black community. It's not even their community. They're not really outraged. They want you to apologize because they want dominion over you. And once you apologize, they just keep coming back like a stray cat and you put a saucer of milk out on the back porch. If you let them know you don't apologize, they immediately leave you alone. So no one asks me for an apology because I've made it clear I don't apologize. And they, they won't ask Dave Chappelle to apologize. Once you make it clear, then that's that. What do they want you to apologize for? Well, it could be anything you've said regarding any number of issues, cultural, political, whatever, whatever. It just, you know, whatever's new. It could be... George Floyd could be January 6th, could be something about the transgender community. I'll give you a couple specifics. Um, you said you think men are funnier than women. Well, that's a very good point. Now, let me explain that one. And let me explain how the media works. I did an interview for one of my books about 13 years ago. And they said at the very end of the interview, who's funnier? men or women? And I said, well, if I have to pick, because I don't like when people give answers where people go both, it's equal, you know, everything is, is equal, which would statistically be almost impossible. Men and women are exactly equally funny. So I said, I said, men are funnier, but Sarah Silverman, who I actually did a show with last night, and Kathy Griffin are funnier than any guy who went to my high school. So I would say men overall, it has to do with trying to attract women. You know, it's, it's 
men will do anything to have sex and a sense of humor on a man attracts women versus a sense of humor on a woman doesn't attract men in the kind of numbers that we're talking about here. So I said, men, but I know many women that are funnier than any guy I grew up with. And then they just made that. They it went to men are funnier than women. And then it morphed into women aren't funny. That's that's what the headline was. Adam Carolla says women aren't funny. And now that's just, you know, that's how it is. There, there's there's good people on both sides. That's basically how that that turned out for me. You said if AOC were fat and in her 60s, no one would listen to her. That's a trip. That's that's 100 percent true. It is. And you get castigated for that. Who, who are you to judge political uh, issues? You don't know anything. It's very predatory and creepy. He projects his sexism onto others. Mm -hmm. He thinks the only reason I would care is because she's hot. These talk show hosts saying that's so sexist, but it's just true. And because she speaks well, she doesn't go uh, uh, like most of the politicians do. Yes, she's skilled and she has an aesthetic and she's young and she's very appealing. And if she was in her 60s and husky and from Minnesota, uh, nobody would listen to a word she ever said because she sounds like an idiot. She says insane things and she would be labeled as a fat old kook. Um, but she's very pretty and she has beautiful eyes and people are dumb and they listen to her. Now, you know, people get angry at me, but I'm simply stating the truth. And it's also the truth as they know it. They know it's true. Otherwise, they wouldn't get so angry. It, it, they get angry because they know it's true, not because I know it's true. For more of my content, go to johnstossel.com. I post a new short video every Tuesday. That's at johnstossel.com. When they come after you, you say you don't care. And you really don't care? No, I, I don't care because I can't control it. I can control what I say. I, I can't control how they react to what I say. So I can control what I say, and that's all I can control. Um, I don't really have a choice as to what I say. It has to be the truth all, all the time. That, that's it. I'm a comedian. It's a sacred oath I took. It's, it's what I do. I, I used to be a carpenter. I could go back, you know, the day I stopped speaking my mind, I will go back to swinging a hammer. I doubt that will happen. But I'm still stuck on you saying you don't care because I care. Part of it's just habit because when I worked for NBC and ABC and Fox, if I pissed off the wrong group, I would have been fired. And now I have my own thing, these videos, and I can't be fired. But I still cringe at the thought of being portrayed as a racist or sexist in the general media. And it looks like you don't. It just rolls off you. Well, there's um, a couple things. One is I care to the extent that if you woke me up on any given morning and said, would you rather Twitter be saying bad things about you or nothing about you? 
I would always say nothing. Like I'm, I'm a human being. I, I would care. I think what we're talking about, and maybe we can break it down, is there's a personal kind of care and a professional kind of care. The professional kind of care is I'm going to get fired or deplatformed or lose sponsorship or, you know, money will be withheld from me because of something I said. That's a professional kind of care. And then there's a personal kind of care. Hey, people are just out there saying you're a bad person and misinterpreting what you said and so on and so forth. And I have essentially removed myself from the professional caring through you know, writing my own books and doing my own stand up and doing my own podcast and stuff. I, I mean, I don't I make documentaries that are never allowed to get into Sundance and that hurts me professionally. But, you know, by and large, I'm able to navigate life professionally. So I don't care. Personally, I care, but I think it's a matter of degree. You know, my I have a twin boy, girl. Son and daughter, they're both 16. My daughter cares a lot more what people think of her than my son does. My son cares to some degree. My daughter cares a lot. And I think that's just built in. And I just happen to be wired not to care as long as I'm as long as I'm right. If I said no one would listen to AOC if she was fat and 60 from Minnesota, if I know I'm 100% right, then I'm done with the process. You you will then say whatever you want to say about me regarding that. I've been correct. I've been the person that said the earth is round and I could have a thousand people in an auditorium screaming the earth is flat and I don't care because I happen to be Correct. And then what about the person that said the earth is round and everyone around them said it was flat? Should they not say it? Should they care what people think? How does that how would that person navigate life? Well, I heard you talking on your podcast about some of this, and I, too, have a son and daughter and similar differences. And one thing you're not allowed to say is that men and women are biologically just different and personality-wise different. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I will. I mean, I, I don't I don't know what the rules are. The rules change every five minutes. I think the rules are basically put in place to try to knock guys like us off our game because you say, you know, Latino, and they go, Latinx, Latinx, and you go, what? What happened? What did I do wrong? Oh, you you screwed up. You know, they're just there to screw people up, so I tend not to listen. Just to explain that to the audience who doesn't follow it that closely, this new word, instead of Latina or Latin persons, Latinx, which you're supposed to say, and no Latin person uses it or likes it, but that's the proper term. Yes, this was dreamt up by white women and bequeathed to the Latino community, and they've rejected it, but we don't we don't really care. We'll think for them. It's a it's a it's a very bigoted way to go through life. I ran into this more than 20 years ago when I was on 2020, and this was just beginning, I think, and that I did a documentary called Boys and Girls Are Different. And some of the 2020 producers were outraged by that. 
And shortly after, I was assigned a story at Brown University where a kid had been suspended for sexual misconduct. And he had had sex with a woman who was intoxicated. And of course, the message now is you can't do that because she's not really consenting. But this woman, and he said consented, she the next morning gave him her phone number. Um, and then weeks later, she accused him of rape. So I went to the campus. I wanted to ask, well, what's the new definition of rape and have a discussion about it? I'm just trying well, to educate awareness. myself and other people with well, me. But the Women's Studies Department, hearing I was coming, had labeled me a woman hater for having done this documentary saying, we are different. And when I got there, they were screaming, rape is not TV hype. Rape is not TV hype. And I couldn't even ask people over the noise. TV Can I ask hype. you why rape you're screaming that? Rape is not TV hype. Come on, everybody, louder. Eventually, one pulled out my mic cord, and it was this new culture that the other side should not be allowed to speak. I believe that they would let the other side speak if they thought they could beat them in a debate. Um, they don't. They know it. it. It's not about what you're saying is dangerous. It's more like you're, you have points and sides that are indefensible and you're not going to be able to make your point. And this is something that goes on <clears throat> all the time. You know, you I remember I was watching Bill Maher's show a year or so ago. I think Adam Schiff was a guest and a, he's a politician. It's kind of he was he was kind of the tip of the spear of, uh, you know, the Russian collusion thing. And now he's the tip of the spear with um, January 6th. And Bill Maher said, look, you come on our show. I see you on CNN every night. I see you on MSNBC every night. Fine, you're preaching to the choir. Why don't you go on Tucker Carlson or Sean Hannity's show? Go on their show and make your point. Meaning, hey, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Fauci's thing was the only people that are not being vaccinated are these right-wing Fox-watching Trump supporters. Well, then go on Tucker Carlson, Fauci, and make your point to the people who need to hear your point. Don't go back on to MSNBC where everyone is triple vax. Go make it there. He doesn't go there because he knows he'd get pushed back there and he'd probably get beaten up there. But Bill Maher said to Adam Schiff, I wish you would go on Hannity. I wish they would let you on Hannity. And he muttered under his breath, he'd been invited many times, but he won't go over there because Hannity would probably destroy him. And then there's this thing where it's like, well, I can't go on there because I won't be treated fairly. What do you mean treated fairly? How could you treat me in this interview? You know, I mean, you could say whatever you wanted, John, but I would have the right to give you my point, defend my position. You know, you could have been outraged over my AOC declaration. And I would have went, all right, sorry you're outraged, but I stand by what I was saying. And I think if you're intellectually honest or I gave you two beers, you would agree with me. <laughs> it is a new thing in the media not to talk to the other side. 
all my career, we would have confrontations and we'd learn from that. But, and this was even true, I found at Fox. I wanted to talk about legalizing drugs and I'd go on Hannity once and then he didn't want to do it again. Everybody wants people who, who they can just totally mock or people who agree with them. Well, I agree with you <clears throat> as, as somebody who's you know debated a few people. When you're going to a bar, you want to sit next to a guy who's a Steelers fan. If you're a Steelers fan, it's just it's a, it's a better, more enjoyable afternoon. That's why they have Steelers bars and Patriots bars. They don't have Steeler Patriots bars where it's 50-50. You go in there, you put your jersey on, everyone cheers, and you're you're welcome. And and I get it. That's a human wiring. Who who I would want to go out to dinner with people I agree with more so than I would want to go out to dinner. But it, but occasionally, and it's part of your job, you have to invite somebody over from the Patriots bar to sit next to you and watch the game. And you can have a, a robust debate on who's the better team. Well, I wish we could have more of that. Let's, let's shift gears a little bit, talk about regulation. You worked in construction, as you mentioned. I was a carpenter a long time before I was a comedian. The first part of my life I spent in construction, and I did it every day for well over a decade. Don't whack that and put the nut on it first, you idiot. You're going to screw up the threads. And that woke you up about government and government keeping us safe? Yes, to a certain degree. I mean, pulling the permit process in Los Angeles is, as you could imagine, insane. It's it's kind of, it's almost stifling, I guess. I, I went out to dinner with uh, Suzanne Summers and uh, her husband, Alan, a couple of weeks ago, and they lived in Malibu their whole life. And they love Malibu. And as a matter of fact, I met them in Malibu because they returned to Malibu, but they live in Palm Springs now. And I said, I don't, why don't, why'd you leave Malibu? And they said, well, during the big fire a few years ago, our house burned to the ground. And I said, okay, so why not rebuild and stay in Malibu? And they said, oh, the, the Coastal Commission, the permitting process, you know, we're too old. It, it takes years, years just in permitting. And, and then they have to put it to a community vote and it, it's stifling. And I don't think people understand that and how it affects the community. You know, we, we, like, we have a housing crisis. There's not enough homes. Homes are too expensive, right? Because we don't let people build complexes and units. It's so stifling. It's bizarre to me that California is the most regulated state. California is supposed to be the let your freak flag fly state, like come here and do anything. All I say to everyone, if you live in Santa Monica in a rent controlled apartment, fine, love the government, but buy a home and attempt to add a master bedroom to it and pull a permit in Santa Monica, and then tell me what you think of the government. For more of my content, go to johnstossel.com. I post a new short video every Tuesday. That's at johnstossel.com. But listen to this little thought experiment. Carol Shelby, the great car racer, the man who invented the Shelby Cobra, he is from Texas. He's a Texas guy. He came to Venice Beach, California 
1964 so he could build cars. Could you imagine going from Texas to California, to Venice Beach, California, to start a business where you manufactured something today? They used to, but no, you're right. Today, it goes the other way. And yet people like these rules when you talk about safety rules. And we have a clip from where a regulator from the San Diego County Safety Department says, All the inspections as mandated by the state are for the safety of the public uh, and the livability of these houses. Here's the problem with this as it pertains to California or anywhere else. Um, yes, there are regulations that make sense. If, if you, you know, I, I used to do earthquake rehab. There are earthquakes in California. When you pour concrete, it should have rebar in it, probably number four or number five rebar spread out at such and such intervals. Because when you see these places, you know, Mexico or Haiti or someplace that have an earthquake and you see the whole place is demolished, that's because their concrete was unreinforced. That's because they don't have, you know, shear anchors and tension anchors and all thread and all the stuff we would use, which is fine. I, I get it. We should have a certain amount. The question is, is when do you stop? And we never stop. And I'll use an example of the beach. The beach used to have a sign when you entered the beach and it said, no fireworks. That was 25 years ago. Okay, fine. Presumably someone could get injured if someone was lighting off fireworks. But then they said no fireworks and no fires. And you went, okay, no cooking, no fires, no fires. Then they went no smoking. And you went, well, I don't know why that would hurt anybody. Okay, then they went no dogs. Then they went no Frisbees. Then they went, they just might, it's not that no fireworks is a bad idea, like no regulation. No, there should be some. The question is, when do you stop and do you ever stop? And California never stops. And so if you want to build in California, it doesn't stop. It just keeps going. And that's why Suzanne Summers is in Palm Springs. And hey, I'm in Massachusetts and I go to the beach and they got a giant picture of a shark. And the regulation doesn't stop here either. Brings me to another thing you've, you've said. The media is more harmful than alcohol. The average American would feel somewhat better giving up booze, cigarettes. They'd feel a thousand times better giving up the news for a week. And that is so true because my colleagues, and I used to do it, we, we will get more clicks if we scare you. And it's horrible what we do. Look at what the media did with COVID and look what they did vis-a-vis -vis children. So they convinced all the moms that this thing was dangerous to children. And then the moms freaked out the kids and then they closed the schools down and they closed the playgrounds down and they forced these kids to mask. And, you know, my daughter bought into it, hook, line and sinker. I, I, of course, didn't. I never did. But I tried to tell her. But the media had essentially convinced her that this thing was coming for her. And I talked to her about it the other day and she said she was screwed up. Like there is some PTSD because the media 
convince us and moms that this was coming for kids. You can't go full pandemic lockdown if you say this is killing old people, fat people, and sick people. You have to include the kids. And that's why we needed to shut the schools down. There is no, imagine you're doing a movie about a pandemic and it only kills the elderly. That doesn't sound like much of a thriller to me. You have to scare the kids. So we use, the media used the kids and they would say things like, well, it's a, you know, kids, uh, the danger of mortality of COVID is slightly less than the elderly, or they'd use words like a little less or less or something. They wouldn't say dramatically and statistically insanely less. Like it really doesn't do anything to kids. People argue with me about this all the time. You show me how many kids died who did not have a pre-existing condition. That's the number I want from the media. They never gave it out. Day one, I was on to them two weeks in. You can listen to my podcast. They didn't give the ages of the people who died at the very beginning. They never gave the ages. And I immediately got suspicious because it was a bunch of 90-year-olds. And for saying this, you get trashed by people who've been your friends. Howard Stern to Jimmy Kimmel. He's making fun of people for taking COVID seriously. <laughs> well, first off, what does seriously mean? Every, you know how many people said to me, I did everything right and I still got it. Well, what does that mean then? You did everything right and you got it. I did everything wrong and I didn't get it. So what shall we do? We should wring our hands and worry more, I guess, according to them. And these are your friends, uh, Jimmy Kimmel. Adam doesn't believe in shampoo or soap. He doesn't believe in microbes. Yes, it's but disturbing. That is true. I do. I'm not a shampoo. I've never been a, a germ guy. I've always believed that you're hurting your immune system if you a, a wiping everything down with Purell is not good for your immune system. I've always believed that. I'm not allergic to anything and I never get sick. But I, I notice everyone around me is allergic to everything and has a bad stomach. All right. So you, you take these criticisms as jokes, but one sounded more serious. David Allen Greer told Stern, you're no longer best friends because you're now a right-wing troll. Adam and I were quite close. Adam Carolla? Not anymore. What happened? Well, he's a right-wing troll now. Yeah, well, David Allen Greer's nuts. I don't think people know that about David Allen Greer. I've been so generous and so kind and had such a great friendship with David Allen Greer. He's insane. These people, their side, they had eight years of Obama, and then they lost an election and they got Trump and they all had a fit about it. Well, that's how politics works. Your side wins sometimes, the other side wins sometimes. They couldn't take the idea that Trump got voted in and they went nuts. I mean, at least David did. But David's nuts anyway, people. <laughs> People should know. I don't care. Listen, I was dear friends with David Allen Greer. He essentially called me a racist based on being nothing but kind and generous to that man for 20 years. He decided that. And people go, do you feel bad about that? And I go, well, I miss having a beer with David Allen Greer, but I don't feel bad about it. That's his decision. He lied. That's his decision. So what's this political hatred about it's kind of new i mean you're still you're friends with sarah silverman i did a show with her last night 
But it's rare that someone on the left can stand someone like you who appears on Fox or says the government does too much pretending to fight COVID. Well, I, I, I don't know. Some people are intellectually honest. Some people have a dignity. Some people have character. And then others just get caught up in this wave. And they're mostly narcissists. I think it's, I think it's, nar- it's a narcissistic thing. But I, I, I can't account for it other than I have not changed any of my views in 25 years of broadcasting. I feel the exact same you ask me the subject, I'll give you my view, and it's not changed in 25 years. The world has changed around me, but Joe Biden used to want a fence at the border. Now he doesn't want a fence at the border. That's how politicians work. I've never changed any of my views, and you can view me any way you want, but go back and check the record. All right, this is from left field, but just because I've been listening to your podcasts, you talked with Bill Maher about how when we grew up, we were scared of our kids' fathers. I was scared of their mothers too. And we were respectful and careful around them. And now what happens? Well, we were scared of our friends' fathers, just to be just to be clear. Oh, I thought I said that, sorry. Yeah, no, you did yeah. a slightly different version of it, but I think everyone knew what you meant. Which is, yeah, I was scared to death of Mr. Vendig and Mr. Lewis. <laughs> These were all scary guys. I would never be caught in their kitchen with my nose in their pantry when those guys came home from work. And I came home from work a year ago and I was walking in and one of my daughter's friends went roller skating past me in my entry hall and just said, you know, hey, Mr. C and blew right past me on roller skates. Now you could imagine you trying that when you were 11. And you and Bill Maher said it's because of the way parents raise kids. But I would argue it's because parents used to introduce kids to the world, tell them about things. Now our 10-year-olds tell us how to operate our cell phones. No wonder they respect us less. Yeah, and being old is a bad thing and wisdom means you're old, so why have wisdom? Why not just, you know, know in your heart of hearts, what's going on. And it, it's kind of a it's kind of a war on old. And that's that's what got us where we are today. Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you, John. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. New episodes drop the first and third Mondays of every month. You can subscribe everywhere you get podcasts.